the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, folks, right now at 12.06 on this Wednesday, good afternoon, one and all. Here I am, it is Juan, the international Juan, uh, coming to you on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I want to welcome everybody in on Facebook Live. Folks, today is Wednesday. And again, it's Ash Wednesday, actually. Remember, no meat today. Spinach pies or uh, pizza strips or anything like that is fine. Uh, but very exciting couple of days, folks. This is an amazing period of time in history that we are living through right now. This portion of the program, you know, well, why not? If you're out, you want to get some lunch, pop into Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Stop in and see them. 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence. They're open right now for lunch. And uh, they have calzones and they have spinach pies. They have the very popular Let's Go Brandon Chocolate Donuts. Look for them on Facebook. It's Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Well, folks, again, right now it is 12.07 on this March 2nd, day after the State of the Union. We're going to talk about that. Obviously, the developments with the war uh, continue. And then you're going to hear me mention, uh, as we've been announcing, and if you want more information, we have it. Uh, I'll have it up on the website later today, uh, but then uh, certainly on the Facebook page. And that is starting Monday. We're going to be over there at the border of Ukraine. Um, I, I can't. Well, whatever. Uh, you, you're going to you're going to enjoy both the radio broadcast, the live stream that we're going to do. A um, lot of effort going into this, and so many people uh, to thank. And you're going to hear me mention them during the course of today and then next week. Um, but it starts on Monday. I travel over the weekend. We can, uh, you know, we've explored this. That's where the story is. That's where the news is. The more that we can um, bring you information and what's happening with this very fast developing story, it's just going to be very unique. So I'm happy about that. I feel very good about our capabilities. Again, behind the scenes, there's a lot going into it. As you can imagine, a lot of logistics uh, when you're going to try to do a broadcast from uh, basically a war zone, but I, I feel we can uh, pull it off. Obviously, folks, you know, earring on the side of caution. Um, and, and will it's a fluid situation, I'll say that. But starting on Monday, now again, unless, who knows, I'm flying overnight. Um, at some point on Monday, because of the time difference, I'm very confident we will be on there on Monday. But who, who knows, maybe they stop one at the border, maybe I get delayed in Germany, whatever may happen. I don't think so. I think we're going to be on Monday. Today is Wednesday, so we're on today. Tomorrow, Friday, and then boom, next week. And, and how long are we there for? Let's, let's see how this goes. Um, it seemingly is going from bad to worse. But there's so many people. Folks, I feel very, very fortunate. I want to tell you, not only the people that watch, the people that support the program. And when you hear me mention one of them, boom, you know, make sure you support them. Uh, much like our friends at, you know, Brood Awakenings. I, I couldn't do this if I didn't have people saying, we're all we're on board one. You're the international one. You go. Uh, David at Brood Awakenings. Folks, stop it and see them. Two locations in Johnston. Uh, also location Pontiac Avenue in Cranston and Bald Hill Road in Wark. Fresh ingredients. Cozy environment. They have the big flat screen TVs. Brood Awakenings. And, and David is just terrific. You're going to hear me mention some other people. Now, we're going to talk to an individual coming up. And again, if you visit to Petro.com, we have our sponsors there. Plus, you hear me mention... Many of the other uh, supporters, sponsors, whatever you want to say, you're going to hear me mention a lot of them uh, during the course of however long uh, we're, we're going to be there. 
Someone said, well, I love the people that, you know, initially said, well, do you think it'll be over by this weekend? The latest they're saying is this this war and this is a war. And I realize, you know, we haven't been in a war in a while. This is a, a war. And I, you know, I know we're not directly involved, but we have a lot going on this and riding on it. But this, this war, regardless of what you think of who's at fault and blah, blah, blah. And there's, I, I will say there's a lot of misinformation out there. And that's why. We're going to go right there, and you're going to be able to hear from experts on the ground that, that are right there um, at the border of Ukraine. And obviously, uh, if there's, if, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm going to be right in the, uh, you know, someone said to me, are you going to be embedded? Well, th- there's there's two troops, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be with the Russians, that's for sure. And, and um and the Ukrainian, the Ukrainian military, I they seem to have their hands full at the moment. So. Uh, we're gonna. It's it's fluid. We're gonna go, but they're estimating that this war could could go for ten to twenty years. So make no mistake about it. Um, Putin is obviously a dangerous character. There's a great piece out, um, and I will talk about the State of the Union. We are going to talk about the State of the Union. I'm not surprised what we saw last night. Last night was what you see is what you get. Last night is when you have someone that let's face it was you know. In, in the basement during the campaign and was put out there of all the Democrat candidates. He was, you know, he, he won the Democrat uh, primary and was the candidate. That's that's what we have right now. Um, it, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to get better. I, I think it's I think what you saw last night is is as good as it's going to get. What you saw last, that, that is President Biden at his best. You know, we're also seeing a president of Ukraine who's 44 years old. And, you know, it's such, he has such an amazing story. That is courage. There were a lot of people bad-mouthing him. There was a terrible article in the New York Times said he was in over his head. <clears throat> I go back to a week ago. This started last Wednesday night. Um, you know, Laura Ingram, who I've met and I like and I respect, but I... I mean, that was when you think about it, she was she was on the air as they were being attacked, calling him pathetic. This is a guy within, you know, the the forces saying, you know, do you want us to evacuate out of there? And what, you know, that line for the agent, I don't need a ride. I need ammo. No, this is I'm on the street battling with our people. We're going to win this war against Putin and the Russians. That folks, that is bravery. That is courage. That is inspiring, as a matter of fact. Um. So he's also, I, I just want to clear this up. He's Jewish. <laughs> I get these emails. Why are you going over to cover those Nazis? <laughs> he's Jewish. His, his, his family members that were killed by the Nazis during the Holocaust. Like, I, I, someone sent me, a, I, I don't want to go off on a tangent here because I want to gravitate towards those people that, that do. But someone sent me something yesterday, this whole big, and I said, where did you get this from? Who is this person? Oh, I don't know. Where did you find this? Oh, I found it online. It's like, what is this? What are you talking about? Um, so anyhow, I'm not going to debate on that. As I've said, I'm not going to try to convince anybody. I'm going to talk to people, and you can hear directly from them. And um, <clears throat> and I'm very excited. So, But the answer is, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Just to be candid with you, and I'm not going to talk that much. When I get over there, I want to be very clear. I am not the story. I want to bring you people that are in the middle of the story. People that, you know, right now at the border, there are people that are foreign fighters. Like, I'm in. I'm going to help the Ukrainian people fight Putin 
and the Russians. He doesn't even care or count on his Russian military. Um, so we, as much as we can, and then if if they announce we want all Americans out of, you know, well, our, they've already said Ukraine, but different countries, then, you know, we'll, <clears throat> we'll, we'll move along. We're going to do it in a safe manner. But the answer is, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's um, it's going to be compelling. It's it's obviously there's a lot to it logistically, but we'll, we'll do it. Then the number one goal here, couple goals is number one is safety, obviously, but two is the quality of the broadcast. And I want to be very clear. I feel very good about Jeff Gamach and Roger. Everybody, they couldn't be more supportive. They're going to let me do my thing. They're going to let Juan be Juan. And um, if anyone, if you've enjoyed my live stream. You know, you can tell that I, I don't shy away from, sometimes it gets a little contentious. <laughs> sometimes I think this is a little bit little bit different. I'll, I'll share. There's certainly some friends and family that are a little, um, you know, hesitant. Like, are you sure about this? But but I, I, I wouldn't be going if I didn't feel comfortable. And most importantly, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't feel the confidence that we can bring you the type of coverage that, that I would like to see. Because I can't get enough of it. So, um so that will be. Now, I will talk about the State of the Union. The problem is the problem. Um, the, as I said, uh, I don't know how much of a problem it is. Biden is who Biden is. Um, he is. And anyone that's had an older, you know, I know people are harping on, you know, he did. He said the Iranians, what he meant, Ukrainians. Is anyone shocked by that? I mean, he's 79 years old. He is. If President Biden is anything, he is consistent. <clears throat> Even when it's written right in front of him, it he he, you know. But again, if you know, there are some people that are are a young seventy nine. He's not a young seventy nine. There are some people that, you know, the whole thing of they go down to the basement and it's like, what did I come down here for, or that type of thing, or people that. You know, you have older relatives that call people by the wrong name or what have you. So. Unfortunately, that he is who he is, and and obviously, Putin has been emboldened by what he saw with Obama and 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 Biden, and reluctance from the West to push back. One thing, you know, Ted Cruz was on Fox a short time ago. Uh, Senator Cruz, who I like and I've met and I admire, and and he he was echoing what I've been saying. You know, this is, I, and I get it that's not everyone gets to the party at the same time. This this is about. Putin. This is about history. This is about Europe. Um, again, I'm not going to try to come up with different analogies, but certain individuals reach a point. It's it's not. It's a, it's about them, right? I mean, Tom Brady. It, it, you know him. Well, this is not a good analogy, but him going to Tampa. It's about him fulfilling his greatness and destiny. And if the Patriots didn't want to be along for that, he'll find a team that'll deliver. Some people would have said, you should have retired. You already won the Super Bowl. But it's not about that anymore. You know, that was Tom versus time. He's not retiring. He's going to hook up with another team in quest for more greatness. So, you know, you're going to have Bruce Arians and people talking about Belichick. It's not, it's no longer about them. And, and with Putin, it, it's, this is someone for the past 20 years He's been in charge for 22 years. He is mortified. What he feels was the disrespect of the Soviet Union. He was devastated when Reagan defeated the Soviet Union. And he has been hell-bent 
on, on writing the course that he feels is rightfully his and the people of Russia. This is about him. This is about history. This is about Putin saying, I'm either going to do this or I'm dying trying. I'm, I'm almost 70 years old. He has supposedly 200 billion. The, maybe the richest person walking the earth steals it all. He is a gangster, thug, murderer. Life has no meaning to him. He'll kill someone a drop of a hat. It, it, it's just, we thank God we don't have 20 people like that. But he has watched what he considers America aggression. And he watched when we went into Iraq. And he watched when what happened with the Arab Spring. And he watched how we took care of Gaddafi. And, and he said, no way. Right? Just like in the movie Goodfellas, when Paulie says to Henry, Gribbs, Gribbs just, you know, he's 70, he's going to die in the can for talking to some guy on the phone. That ain't going to be me. Right? Paulie, that scene with Henry. That, Gribbs, you know, the guy just, he's going he's to die in prison. That ain't going to be me. That, that is Putin. That ain't going to be me. Gaddafi, you think I'm going to let them take me out like that? Wrong. I'm going to bring the war to them. I'm going to bring the war to the West. And he, he despises the United States. I wish some of you people could actually get that. He despises everything you stand for. Maybe I can phrase it that way. <clears throat> he, he wants to, not to be overly dramatic, he, he wants to kill everyone you know. Do you think he cares that children are being killed there? Do you think that he cares that innocent people? He doesn't even tell his soldiers to stop and bring back the, the Russian soldiers that are killed. What do you think their families think? You know, Sergei or whoever was killed. Yeah, well, they left him by the road. So he doesn't care. Zero. Cold-blooded, demented, madman killer. <laughs> That's right. Don't you private me. That's Ukrainian for hello. All right, well, I'm going to have to work into that. I, uh, this should be interesting, folks, because I, um, granted, Juan speaks Spanish, but I, um, <laughs> I like that. I have a, few, a little while to brush up on that. Don't you privet me instead of don't you say hola to me. All right, let me, we do have a guest who's an expert. Um, but yesterday, I, I just want to point this out. I put on, <clears throat> I just put on, I'm not going um, to, I put on DePetro.com. Excuse me. I put on the Facebook page about, um, you know, and, and I, I guess Ben Shapiro said this as well. But and, and the line is, you don't just because you hate Putin or bash Putin doesn't mean you're a Biden supporter. And you, you can see the threat itself. There, there are people that they, they I just I don't know where they get their information from. I actually I do know it's a lot of misinformation that's out there. Um, and, and Putin is a is um, an expert with propaganda, but I, I'm gonna we, you know again I'm not gonna try to convince anybody. How about Governor McKee? Oh, President Biden, she had a bold vision to build a stronger nation with the State of the Union, celebrating a year in office, and what a year it has been—a year of disaster with Governor McKee. My God, boy, folks, what a contrast in leadership. But I mean that. And then, you know, a couple of people, where are you getting this from? Oh, I, I, this is, someone sent me a thing where they got, I'm like, where are you getting this information of what's behind? You know, this whole notion, Hunter Biden controls Putin. <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't even know how to respond to that, Omaha. What? 
The guy in the underwear in the crack pipe controls Putin? Who sent that? Um, oh, it's biblical one. Who is it that... Oh, hold on, I just want to see it. I, I said, where are you getting this from? And this is Long Diatribe. And the what is your source of this? And here's the answer. Um, hold on. From Jenny Jolie. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I was thinking for a moment that it was someone that... Do you know this person? No. Do you know where, what country they're in? No. Do you know when this was written? No. Okay, you've never met this person? No. Oh, okay. But everything they're saying you believe? Yes. Oh, all right. Well, that's good. I just wanted to double check. <clears throat> I just wanted to make sure that, that you weren't following <laughs> a source because I would certainly uh, believe Jenny, whoever that person is, over all the other news intelligence agencies. But anyhow, folks, um, we, um, you're, you're going to like the coverage. It's, it's, we're going to bring you content that you can't get um, anywhere else. Now, Jeff Nyquist is going to, I believe, is going to join us uh, momentarily. Um, supposed, hey, Jeff, uh, good afternoon. Uh, it's John DePietro. Uh, D- uh, Andrew was the one that connected with us. And we're on. We're, yes, hi there, Jeff. We're live on the John DePietro show. Jeff, I've been, um, first of all, thank you for joining us. And uh, it was Dr. Andrew Boston that kind of plugged me into you and some of your writings. And so I, I certainly appreciate you taking a couple okay. moments to get your perspective okay. and bring us up to speed. First of all, if we could just start off your assessment of what's happening right now in Ukraine. The Russians are, are pushing into the country. A lot of people think the Russians have. Could you just, just uh, speak up just a little bit louder, Jeff? Yeah, they're, they're, a lot of people think the Russians have been defeated or they've been slowed down. Um, and they haven't, right? It's, it's, it's the ground is soft. The troops have to attack along paved roads. They've had to use paratroopers. Uh, they're, they're winning. The Russians are winning because they are successfully flanking, however slowly, the Ukrainian forces. They're slowly enveloping Kiev. They're enveloping the main Ukrainian line in the east. They've got Mariupol, the city that anchors that line in the south, east of the country, surrounded. So uh, basically, they will defeat the Ukrainians, whatever their casualties are now. Um, but the real question that, that begs a larger context that everyone is sort of failing to ask is why did they attack when the weather was unsuitable, when they could have waited for dry ground and been more effective in attacking? That is the strategic question here. What do you make of people saying that Putin has misjudged the situation, taking much longer than he thought, and they're facing much more resistance than he thought they were going to face? Because Ukraine isn't the largest, most important strategic object in, in Putin's view. That's one. It, it, expound on that, if you don't mind. Well, like I just said, there's a larger strategic context. Look, he's put his nuclear submarines, his SSBNs, his, his nuclear ballistic missile submarines to sea, all of them, right? Have we put all ours to sea? I hope so. Hmm. You know, we're, we're, we should be at DEFCON 2 right now. Yep. Because that's where the Russians are in their equivalents in their system. They're getting all their missile bases ready. Those missiles are aimed at us. Don't kid yourself. We are their real enemy, not Ukraine. Ukraine 
could even be considered second of secondary strategic importance. Everybody's missing this. Oh, Putin's made a mistake. Oh, he's a madman. No, he's not. They have planned this carefully for years. Putin has been making his economy sanction-proof. Okay, the ruble goes down, the dollar goes down. He's sitting on massive hordes of supplies of goods to keep his country going. China, the same thing. And by the way, before he did this, he went to China on February 4th at the beginning of the Olympics. That's I will right. remind you. Yes. And he met with chair with uh, President Xi Jinping of yep. China. That's right. Now, what did, what did they agree on? Yes. Now, the Chinese have announced military exercises for their Navy. Right. So here it, it was you. All the experts were telling us, oh, uh, Putin's bluffing. It's just a military exercise. He's not going to invade Ukraine. So what are they going to say? China's bluffing. It's just a naval exercise. They're not going to do something in the Western Pacific like invade Taiwan or attack Japan or mm. you name it. Attack American forces in the in the Pacific. Because we're looking at something where China and Russia are both at a very high state of readiness, by the way. They, they began to get in a state of readiness when the pandemic started which was released from China. This is a larger context. The pandemic is the context for all these strategic events. Hmm. And if that if that was a bioweapon released on purpose that they gave to themselves first, because the Chinese don't care if their elderly and sick citizens die. I mean, it's a communist country. They just don't have to pay their pensions then. You know, they're upside down because of the one child policy in terms of their population. They've got too many elderly people. It's a perfect disease to pick them up. But us, it creates a panic and economic lockdowns and all the rest of it, vaccine mandates. It causes all these other things. So, see, strategically, they disrupted our society while they were getting ready for what? For invading Ukraine, invading Taiwan, attacking the United States, maybe with nuclear weapons. What is going on here? Folks, again, we're speaking with Jeff Nyquist. Jeff, if you don't mind, if you would, we could just back up for a moment. And if you could mm-hmm. just tell the people listening and watching a little bit about yourself, how long you've been studying this. You're, you're writing so far. I've been following a lot of the things you've been writing about it. I mean, it's been right on the money. You have incredible analysis. If you wouldn't mind just taking people that are listening through a little bit, just so they have an understanding of your background. Well, I, as a kid, I, I just was absolutely obsessed with military history and strategy. And, um, and then I, as I grew older, I realized everything was politics. And I, I got a degree in political science. I pursued a PhD in it. And um, as I was doing that, I, I realized there were people called communists yep. <laughs> in the university. They, they were very friendly to me. They loved me. And they tried to recruit me. And I realized I did not believe in Marxism. But I got to see sort of inside what they were doing on campus. They were taking over. This was in the 1980s. And I thought... And what, uh, what and camp- I was, Jeff, what campus was this? UC Irvine. Okay. University of California at yep. Irvine. I was in yes. their graduate uh, PhD program there in political okay. science. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, and I, I, I was really, because I was a strategist, I thought about how this fitted in with everything Russia and China was doing. And I went through the defector literature in the 80s, and I found there were actually three defectors who were saying that Russia was preparing to liberalize, that there was going to be a new liberal leader 
like a Soviet Dubček. If people remember, Dubček was the guy that made communism with the human face in Czechoslovakia around 1968, and then the Soviets came in and smashed him. But there was going to be a Soviet liberal liberalizing leader. They made these predictions, and they said, well, because we know this is what the plan is, and it's, but it's all a facade. It's going to be to fool the West. And um, so I, I became convinced they were going to, to do this. And in fact, the Anatoly Galitsyn, who was a, a defector who had uh, a great strategic ability, wrote a book in 1984 called New Lies for Old, in which he predicted the Communist Party would give up power in the Soviet Union, but it would be completely fraudulent. Mm. They would still be in power underground. They would just go underground. And then they would prepare for war. He wrote in a memorandum to the CIA that uh, they would launch a nuclear rocket attack against the United States once we had dropped our guard enough and, and let our nuclear weapons go. Well, we haven't built a new nuclear weapon or even tested a nuclear weapon since the early 1990s, wow. so almost 30 years. And our nuclear, you know, the head of our strategic forces told Congress two years ago, hey, in three years, our nuclear arsenal is going to be unreliable. It's going to probably, you know, it's past its shelf life already. It's going to be really past its shelf life. Mm. And we don't have any new nuclear weapons production coming online until 2029. And the Democrats in Congress, they didn't want to do anything. They haven't done anything. Nothing has been done. And... So we 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 have this problem, and people, voices like mine and other people in the defense community who are saying, "Look, this is dangerous." But there's no political traction. There's none because maybe we shouldn't have nuclear weapons. You know, there's there's this feeling that let's let them rot away, and I don't think the public really understands this has been going on. Right, folks. Again, we're speaking with folks. Uh, Jeff, do you prefer Jr. or or Jeff Nyquist? Oh, just call me Jeff. Jeff. Okay. So let's talk about Putin. Um, it, I find, as someone that deals with the public and doing a news talk of uh, program, um, and then you 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 know tell people uh, people think Putin is our friend. Putin th- they think Putin is someone we can work with. Uh, they think that somehow he's just defending himself against the aggression of Ukraine. Um, now again, these are not my thoughts, but I, I'd love to hear it from just your view on this. Yeah, the Russian justification is that, of course, you you probably saw a week ago Monday Putin's rambling speech and his his meeting, his pre-tape meeting with the Security Council. The idea is that uh, supposedly the U.S. committed a coup. Yes. The Maidan revolution was not the spontaneous revolution of the uh, Ukrainian people. Well, we can see right now, if this was a CIA regime in Kiev, the Ukrainian people wouldn't be rising to defend it. That's right. It was a real revolution, a Maidan revolution. Those people in Maidan Square who risked their lives, who faced bullets from the snipers of the government, were real heroes. Hmm. And the Ukrainian people responded to that. And Yanukovych had to flee the, the country, not because of the CIA, but because the Ukrainian people were enraged at him, hmm. at his corruption, at his connections to Moscow. How oh, he was a tool of Moscow, not a tool... It wasn't tools of, of, of Washington that made that country. And the, all the blocking of the reforms since that revolution have come from people who really had had uh, connections, corrupt connections to um, to Moscow, but also to to Biden and um, 
uh, Obama. And Biden and Obama, see, have something in common with Putin. Putin has nostalgia for the Soviet Union and communism. And Mr. Obama was mentored as a young person by a Communist Party member named Frank Marshall Davis. Yep. And Obama has a lot of communist friends. And you can study Obama's biography and you can find this out. And then you have, uh, I mean. Is that why, and let me just interrupt Mr. you for Obama, a moment. I mean. Is, I'm, hold on. Uh, is Obama, that, hold Obama on. Jeff, yeah. Jeff, mm-hmm. is that why you feel then in 2014 when he, when Putin took Crimea, uh, was that, do you feel that somehow the reason why Obama, that they, President Obama, that they didn't take more action somehow that he has communist leanings? Is that, is that what you're intimating? Yes, I think Obama has communist leanings, okay. and you look at uh, Biden. Look. All right, hold on. I want I want to stay on track. I want to stay on Jeff, track here, Jeff. What about put to your view? Your view now. People are saying, let him just take Ukraine, and then Putin will stop with Ukraine. Jeff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look. Um, you, you, there is the theory that if you feed someone to the crocodile, he'll eat you last. Hmm. And yes. maybe there is some wisdom to not going into nuclear war when you're outnumbered, when you're outgunned, um, or, or to to. Look well, then I have a question for you. Why yeah. would he stop if he's able to take that? Why would he stop? Why would he not he's, go he's not, more after more land, more yeah. land that was part of the Soviet Union? He's not going to stop because he has said that he is, uh, that the breakup of the Soviet Union was illegal, that all the republics of the Soviet Union are still republics of the Soviet Union. And by saying that, Putin is saying that the Soviet Union really is his country. Yes. And he's merely announcing that he's putting it back together again. Yep. And so that means that Moldova, and we've already seen Lukashenko accidentally release this map. I mean... And it shows they're going to take back all those republics, including Moldova and the Baltic states, hmm. which means war with NATO. Yes. War with NATO is coming. Now, folks, again, means- we're speaking with Jeff Nyquist. And Jeff, uh, you didn't answer my question, though. Is Putin yes. a friend to the American people? No. Does Putin, people say, no, he's our friend. He has no intentions of harming America. Now, your thought on that. He is. He 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 is part of a system that has made an agreement with the Chinese to attack North America in the course of a war, and Russia plans to take Alaska. Alaska wow. is going to become again a part of Russia. You hear this in Russian politics all the time. They have even passed laws in the Duma for governing Alaska. This is not a fiction. And a defector told me they had made this arrangement with the Chinese, a Russian GRU defector from the Russian military. He said they're going to give the lower 48 states to China. And in a secret speech, Chia Chen, the former Chinese defense minister, said, we're going to make a second China in the lower 48 states, and we are going to exterminate the Americans as much as we can. Well, that should get people's attention. Jeff, where where do you see this progressing, Jeff Nyquist, over the next, let's just say the next 10 days? Well, I mean, they could launch a nuclear disarming strike against our nuclear deterrent any day. So we could wake up without any nuclear weapons. Because if they target our nuclear 
missile bases and our bomber bases, and they target our submarines. And there are probably ways they have of tracking our SSBNs. They could disarm us, and oh. they have the they have very advanced capabilities. Do you see any way that the United States and NATO do not get involved in this conflict? Because it it, it doesn't sound like like there's there's any way to eventually trying to avoid any type of conflict with him seems fruitless. Look, never make predictions, especially about the future. But here, I'm going to tell you honestly yep. what I think. Yes. I've studied strategy my whole life. Two ways we go to war. They go into, they're planning to take the Baltic states and Moldova. And what I think is that you look at Western public opinion, you look at, at the Western elites, they are soft. Yes. They are emotional. Yes. Look at the effect of seeing these Ukrainian cities bombed. They're yes. using thermal barrack bombs on yep. the Ukrainians, according to the Ukrainian ambassador. Yes. They are, the, the killing is only beginning. And they are going to subdue those people with the most ruthless Asiatic methods you can imagine. It is going to become more intensive. And it is not going to be over that fast because the ground is muddy. It's soft. They won't be able to finish off the country until the ground dries in May or June. So we're going to watch this terrorism, this slaughter of innocent people go on week after week after week. And it's going to be very difficult right now. Putin had threatened, if you if you help these people, I'm going to go to war with you. Yes. I'm going to do horrible things to you. Right. We're already we're already giving the weapons. We're already decided to give the weapons. Uh, we're already talking about imposing a no-fly zone. Look, as this goes on, it becomes more and more difficult for the West to stand by uh. and think these brave people are defending their country. Yeah, and we're cowardly. We're cowards standing by just watching them die. And that's we have to do something. What? And so there is a political, almost irresistible political momentum for NATO to intervene. And even and if NATO doesn't. You know, the way I envision it, this is just sort of like a scenario that repeats in my head over and over again. They do this to eastern Ukraine and we stand by and it gets to be the dry weather and they move in to finish up the country by moving on western Ukraine. And that's it. The conflict becomes, the the, the, the spark is inevitable because they're going to move on to Moldova. They're going to move on the Baltic states and NATO is going to be exasperated. Now the exasperated side is going to be NATO. And, well, and what, people, Western, you know, Western, yeah. hold up. Western Ukraine borders Poland. Why would they stop at the border of Poland? Not if, not if uh, NATO intervenes and tries to help those people. Seriously, okay. right now, let me also ask you: What about he's he's threatened Finland and Sweden if they join NATO that he'll take action against them? Um, mm-hmm. It would certainly seem they have reason to be worried that he, in time would like to take that territory. And Jeff, is it fair to say, and again, folks, we're speaking with, it is Jeff Nyquist, writer, uh, has a tremendous blog. It's jrnyquist.blog. Uh, um, is it fair to say that he he will, he seemingly seems intent right now. Let's deal with what's happening. You're right about predictions. But he seems prepared and intent on absolutely, absolutely demolishing and just leveling Ukraine. Yep. Yes. That's right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he will subdue them. See, 
Ukraine has always been the Achilles heel of, of the Soviet Union. Yep. And they fought those people. We don't realize that after World War II, there were guerrilla warfare went on in Ukraine for years after World War II. Wow. Hmm. Because you had guerrilla groups that both fought the Nazis and the Soviets who wanted an independent Ukraine. And so it was, and this was a secret, a dark secret that they kept, in fact, you will, if you go back to the 1950s, Khrushchev was very keen, and Stalin also, on assassinating as many exiled Ukrainian leaders as possible. Stepan Bandera is an example. I think he was assassinated in Munich in the 1950s. I'm not remembering the exact details, but there were other ones too, a number of them. Um, the Ukrainians were just the, the, the ultimate Achilles heel. and mm. And... With the fall of the Soviet Union, with the Communist Party going underground, they thought they were going to manage Ukraine by a pretended nationalist government managed by former Soviet persons. I mean, the, even today, the Ukrainian administrative system is, is just peopled with a lot of Soviet leftovers, right? And mm. nomenclature folks. Yep. But what happened is Ukraine developed this spirit. It has this different spirit from Russia. Hmm. And, and they, they were becoming a country in their own right. And this was like, uh-oh, what do we do? We can't win them back over to the empire, to, to Moscow, with persuasion. So uh, we have to do it ultimately by force. Yes. Listen, we're going to leave it there. We certainly appreciate the time. Uh, I'm going to share some of your, your blog work. It's, it's Jeff Nyquist. Uh, Jeff, great, great to speak with you. Thanks for taking the time. And we'll talk to you again. All right, thank you. All right, folks, there it is right here on the John DePietro Show. It was Dr. Andrew Boston that was uh, recommending I talk to him. And I recognize, folks, right now at 1243, listen, he has studied this. So they, they go through history a little bit. And I recognize um, a lot of people don't want to go back that far. They just want to deal with current day. Some of the things he said, again, those are his opinions. Um and, and, and views, I should say. That's, this is his interpretation. I certainly heard some things I have not heard before. I know some people may dismiss them, uh, but obviously you heard. I mean, he, he's um, considered an expert in it. If you would like to read some of his um, writings about that, jrnyquist.blog. And, um, you know, he, he talks pretty heavy. I'm looking at his timeline. He's pretty heavy about the the nuclear rockets, and that would certainly, I'll, I'll say this, folks, and again, good afternoon at 1244. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. I'll give you my opinion of how far things have fallen is summed up with what we learned last night, and that is that if something happened during the State of the Union, Commerce Secretary Raimondo was the des- designated survivor to take over the United States. Now, if that doesn't worry you, uh, listen, here, here's the, the news about last night. And folks, I want to stay on schedule. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by Coogie. It's R.E. Coogan and Heating. Listen, we're shifting now. It's still cold out, though. Call them today, 401-732-6562. Look for them on Facebook. The website is recooganheating.com. Helpful, trustworthy, reliable. As Coog says, let us in your home. Don't fix it alone. R.E. Coogan and Heating, 401-732-6562. He is, uh, as you heard, a university professor, UC Irvine, which is a very respected university. I had not heard that about Alaska. I don't want to alarm people. War seems to be over there. But I think that is revealing that this seems to be, you know, the focal point of, of China and Russia. But getting back, think of that.
this is where the Biden administration, where, where we're at. Where if something had gone wrong last night, one member of the cabinet stays behind, and it was Commerce Secretary Raimondo. It would have been up to her to rebuild the United States. She would have been the designated survivor. Now, thank God nothing happened on this Ash Wednesday. But a year ago, the night that she was the designated survivor, one year ago last night, she was still the governor of Rhode Island. Governor McKee was sworn in today. Think of that. And left office with a 36% approval rating. So we have, we have reasons to be uh, concerned. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by the Senadale Revival. I'm going to play some sound. Last night, uh, it, it was pretty, that was rough. I watched it. Uh, Senadale Revival, though. Shane and company, what a great job they do. Pop it and see them. 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. The Senadale Revival. Look for them on Facebook. Winner of several Rhode Island monthly um, awards. Listen, that, um, what, what they're, where President Biden and the Biden administration, where they're really getting hit is they, they basically took the speech they had prepared and they just tacked on some, a little bit about Ukraine in the beginning. But he's, they're really getting hammered on it. The fact that where was the, you know, last night, as I said last hour, last night should have been a full explanation of how we arrived at this moment. And President Biden didn't do that. You can't have your party, listen, the Democrat Party, is the party of defund the police. The, the Democrat Party has become the anti-police party. And President Biden can stand up there, I'm not saying defund, I'm saying fund the police. He's already being attacked on the left by AOC and the progressives that he listens to. And Governor Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee, the media gives him a free pass on this at 1247 on this Wednesday. And you're listening to the John DePietro show. They give him a free pass. And he's all in on, he's part of the Biden team. They're kind of same type of individual, older gentleman, so to speak. Although Governor McKee, he's 70. I'm not, he's not elderly, but he's older. But I was there. I have film of him speaking at the Black Lives Matter defund the police rally in Barrington. That's, that's just a fact. I know he, he was lieutenant governor. I know that he, that they don't write, like to relive it. They asked me why I bring it up. The, uh, one of them told me not to bring it up anymore. The facts are the facts. I was there. He did, and he was at the rally when they were talking about, you know, blank the police and kill the cops and, um, you know, pretty outrageous statements all about it was it was September of 2020. And he got up and spoke. If there was a strong Republican candidate. They certainly could bring it up, but uh, as we know, we don't have that situation right now in Rhode Island. And, uh, and, and Governor McKee is releasing this video of almost like a mission accomplished. You know, like he just turned around Rhode Island. Um, I, I don't see it in any way. And, you know, right now there's people talking about the Providence schools. The, the Providence schools, there, there was a incredible opportunity in 2019 to once and for all fundamentally change the Providence schools. And the unions bought time, the unions delayed, the unions panicked, then we hit the pandemic, and then Raimondo left, and they had taken the power away from Alorza, who I say, still, I give him credit, he, he wanted a transformational contract, 
And now the state is in control, but Governor McKee, Governor Dan McKee, signed off on that contract with the teachers and then gave them $3,000 bonuses. Folks, there's an expression, you know, in AA, not that I've been to AA, but nothing changes if nothing changes, right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, but expecting a different result. They gave the Providence Teachers Union, by the way, they do, they teach four, they work four hours a day. They work four hours a day. And many of them didn't, they didn't even like having to go into the schools and the classrooms. They work four hours a day. They get an hour for lunch, they get an hour free period. They are in the schools for six hours. So let's just be clear about that. They work tirelessly, it's, it's four hours a day. And I'm not, but, if, you, if you're not going to break the union contract, which they didn't, and blow it up, Governor McKee is instead taking the, the path of, we'll just put more charter schools. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but, but my point is, you can't have the conversation unless you talk about the fact that the union has such a stranglehold over the Providence schools, period. If, if the union, the teachers union that controls Providence... If they really cared about the children, if they really cared about results, if they truly cared about education, they, they would have agreed, hey, this isn't working. It doesn't work that way. Anything you want to change, they want to get paid for it. Governor McKee took the path of less resistance. Just give them the contract. And here's 3000 each. Make sure you vote for me. That's it. That's what happened. But you can't have the discussion without talking about the role of the union. He didn't want them coming against him in a primary. I don't even blame Infante Green. I don't. She has stood tall against him. They do not like her. But let, let's be real. The people in Providence, the message is clear. Either get your children to a, a charter school, send them to a private school. Providence is basically going to be a free daycare education for illegals and Children from extreme poverty. Period. And I criticize Providence Mayor Jorge Loja a lot. But if you remember, he he approached, remember, he approached Governor McKee at that water fire and was saying, you gotta face the community. And this should have been a transformational contract. And again, I I I, I agree it was it was inappropriate. And he was um you know, he was going up to McKee and all this other stuff. But the fact of the matter is, he, he was not wrong. So, you know, when people talk about the Providence schools, who are we really talking about? How many people do you really know that that live in Providence and send their children to the public schools? It's, it's less and less. I know people that work at some of the schools, whether it's Central or Hope or Mount Pleasant. Uh, most of the students are Spanish-speaking. So, of course, the results are not going to be that good. But but you can't have the conversation without the teachers union. You can't. And Governor McKee felt, you know, I don't want to fight with them. So let's just give them the contract, give them the money, and we're going to just try to have more charter schools. And anyone that is lucky enough can send their kids to the charter school. So anyway, there's that. Um, but I, no, of course, last night, no, it was terrible. Uh, it was absolutely terrible. Uh, and what I mean by that is, and I don't just mean all the mistakes, and and I don't mean some of the, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lord them interrupting him, and but there were there were some people out there that that liked it. 
You know, he he clearly. I mean, if you didn't really like President Biden, you you certainly weren't going to like him after last night. I think he delivered exactly as I said that that's that's the level he's at, whether we like it or not. And there are some people, folks, online, and there's actually many members of the media that they 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 focus on different things. So there are there are different things that are that are more important to them. You know, they they um, they overlook a lot of the problems and mistakes that that President Biden made. Um, you know, I'm kind of laughing at Speaker Joe Sakachi said, you know, it's kind of tough because we only have one billion to spend and we know that we got six billion dollars worth of ask and requests and we know there's a lot of people disappointed. Like, think how this is completely out of control in Rhode Island last right now. But I saw it. There's a member of the media last night. And this, to me, is good indication of where some people are. Ready? Here's what they put out. There's two women behind the president for the State of the Union. And the designated survivor is a woman. And it's the first day of Women's History Month. So, in other words, when you use that as your barometer, then why does content matter? That, that, is, the, that is the problem with the Democrat Party. That's one of the problems with the Democrat Party. Everything, as Justin kept, everything is identity politics. So a member of the media put that out. You know, I, I thought... You, you know, if someone comments on how a female candidate dresses, they say, you know, you shouldn't comment on that. Why don't you just judge them on their content? And, you know, many people, Martin Luther King, judge someone on the, the, the quality of the character. The Democrat Party, the progressives, everything, <clears throat> everything is on gender and identity. Everything. Look at that. To someone, you put it on. On. There's President Biden. There's Nancy Pelosi doing weird things with her hands. There's Harris, like a stage mom, mouthing Ukrainians, not Iranians. Ramundo's the designated survivor. I, you know, to be frank, it, that did not enter my mind till I saw that. And I, we just finished Black History Month. And now it's Women History Month. You know, I think we need American History Month. I think we need children uh, to learn about World War II. Uh, that was a mistake when the teachers unions, and Providence is a big one, they, they pulled Anne Frank and books like that out of the schools. And they instead put in pamphlets about Black Lives Matter. They put in pamphlets about transgender. They put in the, you know, the material of Daddy Has a New Roommate. And all this other stuff. Um, we, we, and, and what do you get? This is the same crowd that wonders why a group of idiots go down to Camp Street a week ago Monday and they're standing outside with the Nazi flag and they're doing the, the Nazi salute. Maybe if the schools were once again teaching what happened in World War II, were teaching what happened with the Holocaust teaching current history, you, you'd have less of that. But again, it, it always seems to come back to 
identity politics. Um, it just does. And it's I, I that to me is is a major, major problem with the Democrat Party. Folks, again, good afternoon at 1257 at Chandra This portion of our show, folks, it's brought to you by Propane Plus. Make Propane Plus your propane provider, 401-885-4209. 401-885-4209 in Rhode Island. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. Online at propaneplus.com. Remember, propane is safe, it's efficient. They, three generations, that family, affordable, sustainable, equitable, it's good for the environment, it's renewable. Make the switch to Propane Plus today. Folks, this part of the program, again, visit our website, depetro.com, and depetro.com, which is brought to you by Soul Source Restoration. Remember, Rhode Island and Massachusetts, they'll clean and disinfect residential commercial properties. Call Mike Seepy and Company at SOLE, Soul Source Restoration, 401 712 2700. There is a link on the website, which is depetro.com. So, of course, we go until two. We're going to get a, a news update coming up at one o'clock. Um, now, that professor, I mean, a lot of that stuff is some things they have studied. I know some of it sounds, I, I want to be very clear, his views are not my views. Uh, that's the first I've heard about Alaska. So, But he is a, a reputable professor, and they have different theories of that. But I don't want you scrambling, trying to find, no, there wasn't a news article or any. He is a professor, studies political science, and that's something that... He contributed. It did also catch me off guard, especially a lot of the nuclear talk. Uh, but it's it shows you an idea of the the situation. So, and I think it's interesting to bring different voices into the equation. Now, next hour, much more on the State of the Union, much more of an update uh, on the war, and that's what it is. This is a war. It's the John DePietro Show. Next hour is radio only. It's AM thirteen eighty ninety nine point nine FM. The Power Hours next. Leave it right here after the one o'clock news.